On this edition of the Table of Content, Michael and I continue our review of Misspelled, the fantasy series from We Are One Body Audio Theater. We'll continue our quest through this quest. That's coming up next, right here on the Table of Content. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of the Table of Content. I am Albert Sines, joined by Michael Steele. Michael, glad to have you back again. Thanks, Albert. It's good to be here. How have you been? I've been good. I've been good. One day at a time. So, uh, ladies and gentlemen, we are continuing through Misspelled, the fantasy series from We Are One Body Audio Theater. We've been through the first three episodes. We've been introduced to the mage who was seeking a big, powerful spell. It was an accident. He lost his memory, trying to find his way, trying to find a way back towards uh, figuring out who he is, what he was doing, and picking up clues along the way. He gave animal speech, helped a young couple understand that uh, they should really get to know each other instead of asking for magic and helping their relationship to blossom. Uh, and, you know, a lot of other sort of fun little adventures along the way. So that leads us into episode four, Mages and Magicians. Now, you know, I've never actually seen a magic act. Uh, I, I've, I, you know, I've, you see it mm. on TV and movies. And I think uh, when I was a kid, I, you know, I saw a couple of clowns and they do kind of little things, you know, they pull flowers out of their boot or something, you know, but... I, I've never actually been like, oh, the you know, this is a magician. I've never been to a magic show. Have you been to a magic show? I can't say that I have. Like you were saying, maybe on television when I was young, I think I saw the, the David Copperfield. He made the Statue of Liberty disappear. And that was like a big event. They're just like, wow, how did he do that? Um, mirrors, mirrors. Right. <laughs> Smoke and mirrors, right? And uh, no, but... You know, and if I could just like digress a little bit, I, my family and I, we've really been enjoying listening to the series so far. You know, we're on episode three episodes in. This is the fourth episode. And, you know, it's just a nice you know, kind of family activity. Just gather around. You know, we don't have like a, a we just gather around the, the laptop and we stream it. And we've got some speakers in the living room. And we, it's just a nice family moment of just listening and being entertained by the uh, wonderful storytelling, the voice actors, the uh, the sound effects, all sort of help us enter more more deeply into the story. So, you know, our family, we've really been enjoying the series. But, uh, but yeah, no, I, I can't say that I've ever been to a, a magic show. Well, um, that's actually how our episode four gets kicked off. Um, you know, when we last left the mage he was just continuing towards trying to find the witch uh it was on the on the chicken lake house as we know is baba yaga uh but he's just trying to find his way there so because there's some sense that she may be able to shed some light on who he is so mm. what we do is from that point we open up in episode four when he's at a magic show and uh this magician is just doing kind of simple tricks and the mage of course interesting enough as we've been commenting while he doesn't have his memory 
he knows that he is a mage and he knows his abilities and his powers. And there's something that's very sort of uh, personal to him and very important to him about his his position as a mage. So I think that's what we see here in the beginning is we have the magician who's just trying to make a living and doing some magic tricks. But the mage is so committed to the to magic, you know, that he's like, gosh, you're 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 nothing. You're squandering your gifts. You could be doing great things. And the magician is just like, uh, what? What what are you what are you talking about? I'm just trying to do magic. And the mage is unrelenting. He's like, ah, you know, just forget it. You know, like you're just yeah. you're you you don't get it. And yeah. you are you are doing a disservice to magicians, to mages, to 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 magic. So yeah. I, I just I was thinking about that as I'm reading the first part of the story. Right, that's a great point that you make, Albert. And it, it's classic. You know, he, we're, we find ourselves in this show, this magic show, and classic magician fashion. He asks for a volunteer from the audience, and it just happens to be the master, right, the mage, who is his volunteer try to make the crow disappear and then it disappears. And then the, the mage starts, like you were saying, uh, just uh, berating the magician and he calls him a fraud swindler, a, a wastrel. And I was like, that's such a cool word. Wastrel. What, you know, I've never seen that word before. <laughs> and so according to the internet, uh, wastrel is a noun. And the definition is uh, one who wastes, especially one who wastes money or a profligate an idler or a loafer is the second definition. Third one is anything cast away as spoiled in the making or bad waste refuse. So, um, right. It's, it's kind of that description of like your, your, um, there's that implication of you could be doing great things and yet you're, you're squandering your talent. Um, as sort of like a sideshow, right? You're you're opting for the the lesser good, right? So, yeah. But but, but you know, it's interesting. I you know, I I mentioned how the mage sort of lays into into the magician, but you know, and we've and we've seen this we've seen this play out with the mage where mm. he comes on real strong and then sort of you know finds a redemptive act in the midst of you know his sort of harshness because. I mean, his last line to to the magician is, "I hope you rot." I mean, that's I mean that's pretty intense. I mean, he is so caught up right. in the magician doing these paltry tricks, you know, and he's like, you know, he's just so fed up. You know, like right. that's that's a that's a rough way to leave a conversation with someone. I mean, I hope no you kidding. rot. Right? No kidding. <laughs> We should end that today. I hope you all rot. Yeah, right. Thanks so much for tuning in. I hope you rot. See you next time. Right. And there goes all the listeners. Right. How to win friends and influence people. Yeah, yeah right. Uh, I hope you rot. How to be the best version of yourself. Rot. Rot. <laughs> Just, uh, um, so, 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 so we go from there and this really sort of abrupt, rough ending and the mage is sort of really upset. And then we are introduced to what uh, we hear in the story. Coming is is the prince along with his sort of faithful servant, right? So um, Rupert is the is the prince's servant, and uh, isn't if I could interrupt, Rupert ahead. isn't that the name of the prince in uh, in Princess Bride, or, or am I mistaken? No, that was Humperdink. Humperdink. Yeah, Humperdink. <laughs> 
Rupert, Humperdinck. you know, I I can see how Rupert can sound a lot like Humperdinck. <laughs> it, if you say it really fast together, it sounds exactly yeah, the same. Ex- exactly, Rupert Humperdinck. Rupert Humperdinck. I, I, yeah. I said the same thing there. Really, if you didn't know. <laughs> um. So, uh, so in comes Rupert, and he's about to run over the mage, and they have to sort of stop and halt, and then you know what's going on, and uh, and the prince, you know, and the, and the prince, you know, we're introduced to to Prince Uther. And he he's you know he's kind of a nice guy because Rupert wants to kind of be upset with the mage and Prince is like hey 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 you know let's let's be nice let's be kind mm. and we're introduced to our next sort of side fantasy story here uh, we're basically drawn into a pseudo retelling of the Cinderella story and the prince is like you know what's going on and the mage is like well I'm uh, I'm I'm a mage and the prince is like you know ooh a mage you know. So, you know, I'm the prince, you know, I could help you if you help me. And like, well, you know, they kind of bargain it out. He's like, all right, so what do you need? So, so the mage is like, fine, you know, if you, if you can help me, I'll, I'll help you. So what, what do you want? Mm. And he explains he's looking for the young lady that he met at the ball. And he says, I've got this glass slipper. Can you basically do some of your, 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 your magic to help me find this, 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 this girl? And uh, it's kind of silly, right? Because then yeah. he, uh, you know, he expects the the prince expects that you know the mage is gonna. What does he say? He says, uh, "Well, look into your crystal ball or whatever right. it is you do, and tell me where to find her." Right. And the mage is like, "Crystal ball?" And it's like, "Just hang on." Right. And then yeah. uh, he looks at the he looks at the the slipper, and he he's able to you know ascertain that it has stinky feet, whoever it belonged to, <laughs> uh, and that it was fairy magic. Yeah, like a witch, Uther says. Right. So he so he he clues into to the witch part and the witch sort of jogs his memory and he says, you know, to to Rupert and the prince, you know, oh, I'm sorry, I he had a most vivid memory, right? So it's starting to come back. It's starting to come back in pieces. But we but we return to the Cinderella story and then he says, you know, I think uh, you'll find what you're looking for over there and it and it turns out that it's it's not through magic. It's not through a crystal ball. It's not through some through some spell. He's like, well, how, how how do you know she's there? Right. And right. he says, because there's an identical glass slipper lodged in the pumpkin bed in the side <laughs> garden. See, I like that. You know, as much as we see the mage use spells and powers and other things, that it's a little note to sometimes you don't mm. have to do something really grand and amazing to sort of get something done. Sometimes right. it's a simple act, a simple task that can help someone with their large problems. So instead of casting some huge spell to find to find the, the young lady, to find the maiden, just says, oh, look over there. There's a glass slipper lodged into a pumpkin. Right. And a lot of times I think we're like, hey, you know, I got to do something really huge and big to make this happen. It's like, well, you could just do this instead and have right. sort of the same of uh, uh, the same effect. Uh, so right. I appreciate that the mage in this instance didn't necessarily have to use magic to help the prince. Right. Yeah. He, the mage, as we've come to know him is, is a bit of a acerbic character, but he helps people along the way, albeit begrudgingly, but he is going around sort of doing good. Um, not with finesse, but he's doing good, right? And like you were saying, he's he's very like kind of like down to earth, tough love is good for you, uh, practical, you know, and doesn't like you were saying have to resort to the fantastical or wonderful 
to get things done. He just, he makes a logical deduction. Uh, there's a glass slipper in the pumpkin patch over there, you know? And, uh, but <clears throat> also a side commentary. It's this aspect of, of this series misspelled that my family really likes is we'll be listening to it. And then especially the kids, they'll pick up on the story and they're like, Hey, that's no white, you know, or, Hey, that's Puss in Boots or, Hey, that's, you know, in right, this case, Cinderella. Right, right. You know, so it's it's great to see them make that connection. No, it's it's really been it's been a great journey so far through these four episodes and being able to, you know, I think it would have been a great story just on its own without sort mm -hmm. of drawing in, you know, the other sort of fantasy stories that we've come to know, you know, since childhood. Mm -hmm. uh, and again, mm -hmm. thanks to uh, thanks to Disney. Uh, mm -hmm. But you know, it, it's. <laughs> it really does add an extra layer because, you know, we've sort of twisted the stories a little bit here to make them kind of more humorous. So, uh, yes. and, and interact with the mage. So no, that's definitely yeah. been a great part of it. Mm. So we head over to basically Cinderella's house, we hope. And of course, then we are introduced to the stepmother and to the stepsisters. Right. And they're all sort of, Oh, you know, of course your highness. And what can we do for you? And, you sort of explain uh, what's what's going on. Uh, yeah. So they come in and then they want to they want to have the girls try on the slipper. And what proceeds is a very entertaining scuffle between the stepsisters. Um, <laughs> and then in in the midst of this, we are introduced to Cinderella, who's given the uh, the wonderful name in this story of Cindersoot. So. <laughs> I thought yeah. it was I thought it was very very apt that they give her sort of a more dirty name literally, and so they she she's introduced but she comes to intervene between the scuffle, then they're trying to get everything calmed down, and Rupert explains that the you know his highness Prince Uther has pledged to marry the woman whose foot fits this glass slipper, and uh, they go through this and the the, the stepsisters want to try you know let me try let me try it you know right. I have the smallest feet. So they each try it, and of course it doesn't fit either the stepsisters. And then the the mage is the one who sort of says, "Well, hang on a second. You know, we're we're not done. There is one more. What does he say here? He says, "Oh, because they think that maybe the mage was wrong." And the mage says, "I'm sure I wasn't wrong." He says, "Oh, of course. There's one more young woman in this house." And you know, Uther's sort of like. There is, you know, of course, <laughs> right. <laughs> well, he's he's not he's not too keen on you know so far who he's met, uh, right, right. So the the maid comes out and you know and the stepmother of course tries to intervene but says no no let's 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 do this, and then they try on the slipper and it's a perfect fit. And they realize right. that Cindersoot is the young lady that the prince has been looking for, uh, but. And I, I think we, I think we do this a bit in our lives. We, there's something right in front of us, and it doesn't have the appearance of something beautiful, right? It doesn't have the appearance mm. of a beautiful diamond. Like, right? If if you look at most raw diamonds, they really are very unattractive. Mm -hmm. People know diamonds as those things that you see, you know, and at the Jared's commercial or the K's commercial or one of those, you know, commercials, yeah. and you know. Right. Uh, diamonds are a girl's best friend and right. it's all it's cut perfectly it's exactly. it's it's clear it's clarity it's 
it's wonderful. Diamonds don't come out of the ground like that. So mm. we have the we have the prince and Uther here, and they saw the stepsisters, and they kind of gave no intention to sort of you know, that they were going to ask Cindersoot. They they weren't going to ask the maid because she's a maid. She's lowly. She didn't look like the lady that was supposed to have been met at the ball the previous night. Mm-hmm. But what happens? Okay, well let's. Let's try it, you know, and Uther sort of gulps, right? It's like, oh, there is, where? <laughs> but he tries it on, it's a fit, and he realizes, oh, it's you, you know, yeah. you're you're the one. And then, of course, his, you know, his whole personality changes and everything shifts. And it's like, well, come with me, you're going to come with me to the kingdom. And, you know, so that 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 moment is very interesting because I think we all do that a lot in our lives. We see something right in front of us. And we don't give it the attention that it deserves or the attention that it needs because it doesn't look right to us. We're like, well, that can't be what I want. That came by need. And it's probably the exact thing that we need, but we dismiss it because it looks it looks dirty or it just doesn't look right or it looks poor or it looks like any number of right. things. You know, I'll throw any number of negative adjectives at, right. at it. But it's exactly what we need, but we've dismissed it because it didn't look right to us. Right. I think that that's one of the many lessons that I think is reiterated in fairy tales, like you were saying, there's some inestimable treasure that on the appearance doesn't show its worth. And so there's always usually an act of some kind of faith or an act of love kind of implying the blindness and going to the raw essence of whatever the the affirmation of the value of the treasure before the treasure can actually be uh gained you know by the the, the quester or the the protagonist the hero the heroine you know and i think that you're right it, it brings that out uh nicely in this story and it's true we we do that all the time in our daily lives you know we're, like you're, we react according to face value appearances as opposed to probing deeper into the true value or true treasure to be had. Yeah, that's a yeah, it's a great point. So uh, we we continue on here as we get to the end of the story of the prince and Uther and Cinderella. Now named, they are all going to venture off into mm. happiness. Uh, and the prince says, "Okay, so how can I help you?" It's like, well, I, uh, I'm trying to get my memory back, and I think I'm supposed, I'm supposed to be looking for a, a witch and a chicken leg house and. The prince is like, oh, well, you must mean Baba Yaga. Everyone knows Baba Yaga. But just before everyone separates, the magician from the beginning comes mm. running back, running mm-hmm. back. And he's like, hey, I, I, I thought about what, what you said. And you know, you're, you're right. You're exactly right. I, 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 should be, I should be doing something different with these gifts that I have, with this magic, you know. And, you know, I just, you know, where do I go? What do I do? And yeah. And so, while I don't necessarily condone uh, being too harsh on people, and definitely not (laughs) telling people "I hope you rot," right? uh, Because that's a that's a fairly you know that's pretty stout individual to have someone tell you "I hope you rot" and to run back and still sort of be like, "Hey, you're right." (laughs) Yeah, I think a lot of people would be like, "I'm never going to talk to that person again." Right. Um, Right. (laughs) But 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 he comes back and he says you know, you're right. I, I, I should be doing something better. And I think outside of, again, I want to make sure that I do not emphasize for anyone to go around and tell someone, I hope you rot. So yeah. 
<laughs> Outside of the rotting thing, I think right. sometimes, you know, you you give people encouragement and you say you could be doing better with yourself. Right. That that that's a that's a that's a good thing to try to help people when there's the opportunity and say, "Hey, you could be doing something better." Right. Yeah, as a as a former uh school teacher of high school and also middle school, we always employed that method of when you had to offer a kind of negative feedback, we use the, the quote unquote, the sandwich method. So you start off with a positive comment and then you get into the core of what really needs to be addressed, but then you end it with a positive com- comment or reflection so that, like you were saying, you don't leave the person to completely like emotionally, psychologically devastated, you know, it's just like, right, oh, right. you know, you know, Johnny is, has all these wonderful qualities, of, you know, but he could be working on X, Y, and Z, but he's really wonderful to have in the class and et cetera, et cetera. So yeah, there's something to be, to be said for tact when you have to offer it. And I think our mage here is, um, that's a facet of his personality that <laughs> needs development, but it's neat though that in this particular case with the magician, that it it works some good. And maybe the magician needed that because he was so entrenched in, as he said in the beginning, I'm just trying to make a living here. I'm just trying to, you know, make, earn my daily bread by doing cheap, you know, parlor tricks. Right, right. And the the mage saw his true potential. It's like, well, aim higher. You could be doing so much more. And so he gets the opportunity to do such because what happens next in the story is the prince and Rupert and Cinderella are about to head out and one of the wheels or the axles breaks and it's like, oh no, you know, what 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 are we gonna do? And the mage mm-hmm. sees an opportunity, says, Well, why don't you come over and help the prince with his carriage? And he's like, What? You know, oh my gosh. And so he sort of like focuses his attention and he is able to sort of bring himself and the mage is encouraging him and says, Okay, here you go. You know, yeah. and, and 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 the magician, you know, does it. He he casts a spell that fixes the carriage, and, and the prince is sort of you know intrigued. And the prince says, you know, uh, I bet uh, I could use someone like like you. And you know, the magician is so nervous, right? He's thrown into from doing he's from doing you know cheap tricks, you know, with birds. Now he suddenly has this opportunity to rise to the occasion, and you know he's really unsure but the the mage now sort of turns a little bit more compassionate and says you know yeah. you you can do this you know you can do this and you know trying to get him to to go forward and to follow this new opportunity and again that that's a that's a it's a nod to what we should do as people when we have an opportunity to encourage others to say you can do this you it is a risk. It is a chance. It is an unknown. You you don't know what's going to happen. But right. if you will step out there, if you will take that chance, if you will have confidence in yourself, if you will trust in yourself, step out there, do it and see what comes of it. And, you know, and great things can come from those chances that, that we take, those opportunities to step out into the unknown. And And what happens? He ends up becoming, in that moment, Merlin by the prince's sort of authority. So uh, we now have Merlin, the greatest magician of, of you know, fantasy lore uh, uh, introduced to us. Right. Yeah, it's sort of his origin story. I like how the, the nameless mage, our protagonist in this series, 
calls him a mage. You know, he says, here's a mage here. He doesn't say, oh, here's this worthless magician who's good for nothing. He's like, no, there's this mage here who can actually fix your carriage. And then the magician does it. You know, he says, restituto, and then it fixes it. And like you were saying, it's, it's cool, sort of the origin story of Merlin here. And that sort of wraps up our 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 episode four. We've we've you know of mages and magicians. So we're we have we have an episode where everything sort of ends in a positive fashion, and yeah. you know we're hopeful for everyone involved. But I I think that you know the takeaway from this episode, outside of you know just the really entertaining facets of it, are that we can we we can do more with ourselves if we. If, if we trust, we could do more with ourselves if we'll take a step. And in the midst of our lives, sometimes there will be things that we are presented with that will not look quite right to us, but mm. it's what we need to pursue. It's what we need to follow and that we should not be sort of easily dismissed by the exterior. You know, they say, don't, 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 judge a, don't judge a book by its cover. So, you know, we should take off the cover, look inside the book, see how good it really uh, has the potential to be for us and to just trust in the things that we should be doing with our lives, especially if it's a greater call, you know, especially yeah, if, right. if, if God is tapping, if God is knocking and saying, I need you to do something greater. It can be a little frightening. It can be a little scary. But if we trust and we have confidence and we have faith, we can, you know, we can move forward. Mm. Right. And, you know, my takeaway is that as well as, to be open to that, even if the advice is somewhat uh, offered in a, in a somewhat non untactful way or rather harsh and blunt way, uh, which requires a lot of humility and, and just kind of taking a half step back and accepting it. But uh, yeah, that could be a moment of growth, you know, you know, to take a look, uh, a good, uh, honest look at our lives and see, okay, where have we where have we compromised or where have we settled for, you know, a lesser, uh, less noble good? Right, right. Well, that wraps us up on the review episode four. And if for some reason you're listening to this episode of the Table of Content and you haven't listened to episode four, please, please, please uh, go to our website, uh, to our misspelled page. You can get to it from our website at waobaudiotheater.org. Go to our YouTube channel. Go to our Facebook page. It's out there. We're on podcasts. Go listen to Misspelled. If you haven't listened to any of Misspelled, start at the beginning, episode one, then two, Mm. then three, then four. Catch up with us. Great story. Really entertaining. As you heard Michael say, his his family loves it. So it's a family-friendly story. Uh, Really entertaining. Really uh, got a lot lot of good things going on. So please, please, please take a listen. And Michael, as always, thanks so much for joining in the conversation. Oh, thank you, Albert. It's always great to be here. And as Albert said, go listen to it. You're in for a treat. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, we're so thankful that you have tuned into this episode of The Table of Content, and we hope that you will return as we will continue our review through Misspelled, the fantasy series from We Are One Body Audio Theater. Until the next time, be good, stay safe, peace. Peace.